Chapter Thirteen of Grace Harlowe's Return to Overton Campus by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen: Planning for the Reception. The committee on the Constitution and Bylaws for the new club met the very next evening and drew up a terse little document setting forth their object in banding themselves together. Grace had already made note of the few rules she wished the girls to observe but so far as possible she wished the committee to draw up their own regulations, subject to her approval. To create a spirit of independence and self-confidence in the girls of Harlow House had been Grace's basic motive. She realized that many of them were hampered with an undue sense of gratitude which made them too humble for their own interest. She purposed to make them self-reliant and free. Therefore, the rules which she herself made were few and sensible, relating chiefly to the care of rooms, the entertaining of guests, and the problems which, if not properly handled, were the most likely to cause friction among so many young women of so many different dispositions. "'But what are we to do about money, Miss Harlowe?' asked Mary Reynolds in a plaintive tone, when the question arose of whether the club should be assessed for dues, and Grace spoke against it. Of what use is it to have a treasureless treasurer? The committee set up a unanimous giggle. That is really a serious question, smiled Grace, and one which the girls will have to decide for themselves. I should not wish any girl to feel that she was obliged to contribute money to the club, even for dues. We're not obliged to conform to any particular set of rules. Our club can be a purely informal organization with no obligations attached to it. "'But it would be splendid to have a little money in the treasury,' interposed Louise Sampson. "'I know what we can do,' she went on eagerly. "'Let us make the dues a dollar a year and pledge ourselves to earn that sum. "'Anyone who feels that she can neither earn nor give a dollar can be a member of the club just the same. "'Then we could give entertainments or concerts or something and start a little fund of our own.' Grace's grey eyes sparkled. Louise Sampson was a girl after her own heart. Then you must ask your president to call a meeting. She can instruct the secretary to post a notice on the bulletin board, she advised. The committee seized upon Louise's plan with avidity. Why can't we post a notice and have done with it? asked Cecil Ferris innocently. Because we have just made a law that the president shall be notified of proposed meetings and shall post a bulletin to that effect, reminded Grace. The girls remained for another hour, discussing their plans and reconstructing their bylaws previous to voting on them. It was decided to have a weekly meeting to take place on each Tuesday between five and six o'clock in the afternoon, but a special meeting might be called at any time at the request of a member, but at the President's discretion. The last clause in that bylaw is unfortunate criticized Emma when, in the privacy of their room that night, Grace went over with her friend at the club rules as she had set them down. "'I know what you mean,' Grace gave an impatient sigh. "'Still, as president of the club, Miss Ward must be consulted about things.' "'You think she's likely to refuse to call a meeting at the request of a member if she happens to be inclined, don't you?' "'I do, and she will,' prophesied Emma. I wouldn't lose any sleep over it, Gracie, but still it's a good plan to be prepared in advance for the beauteous Evelyn's vagaries. 
To change the subject, I have heard very little mention made of the sophomore reception in the house. I wonder if it's because some of the girls have no evening gowns. Grace sat up in her chair with a start of surprise. Really, Emma, I've forgotten all about the reception. I suppose it slipped my mind because it is to be held so much later this year on account of repairing the gymnasium. We'll hardly be over until Thanksgiving will be upon us, and then, oh joy, we'll see the dear old Sempers. I must see if there is anything I can do to help the girls get ready for it. I hope they understand that their summer dresses will do nicely. For the next three days Grace made it a point to inquire tactfully into the reception plans of the Harlow House girls. She discovered that Emma's conjecture had been only too correct. The bare mention of evening gowns had intimidated them, and worse still, only three or four of them had been especially invited by sophomores. This was partly accounted for by the fact that while the sophomore class was large, it was completely outnumbered by the entering class. Remembering that the same state of affairs had prevailed when she had entered Overton as a freshman, Grace proceeded to make a round of calls which began with the members of the reception committee and included Violet Darby, Myra Stone, Laura Atkins, Mildred Taylor, Patience, Kathleen and others of the upper classes who she knew well, though not intimately. The reception committee had expressed their absolute willingness to allow the upper-class girls to help them out on escort duty, and the girls themselves entered heartily into the plan. "'I'll walk over to Harlow House with you now and invite Mary Reynolds,' declared Kathleen West, who was the last girl on Grace's list. "'I'm glad to have the opportunity. What a bright little thing Mary is. She's quick as a flash when it comes to grasping an idea. I tell her she has the making of a good newspaper woman in her.' She's Emma's star pupil in English. Emma says she writes the most original themes. She has all sorts of queer fancies about people and things, went on Kathleen. I can't begin to tell you, Grace, how glad I am to be of some help to her. I must do something to make up for lost time. A faint colour tinged Kathleen's pale face. You are doing a great deal for Mary Reynolds, Kathleen. She loves you dearly. It certainly is nice to be liked, returned Kathleen softly. If it hadn't been for you and Elfreda and Patience, I would have gone on in the same hard, selfish spirit in which I began college. As it is, you are one of the literary lights of Overton and a joy to your friends, said Grace gaily. I wish you were at Harlow House this year with Emma and me. I wish I were, sighed Kathleen, but I didn't feel that it would be right to apply for admission there. You see, Grace, my salary on the newspaper during the summer is a generous one, and by managing carefully I can pay my expenses in college for the year with it. I don't have to do that, however, for every week I write a story for the Sunday edition of our paper, which more than pays my board at Wayne Hall. Then I send in extra space articles and go out on special stories during the Christmas and Easter vacations. I'm never really very short of money, so I'm not eligible as a member of your household. You are a clever, capable girl, Kathleen, averred Grace with honest admiration, and I am proud to be your friend. A long look of perfect understanding passed between the two. It had come only after many days of misunderstanding and doubt. Dear loyal heart, I can never forgive myself for making you so unhappy. Kathleen's crisp tones trembled. And I shall never forgive you if you mention it again, retorted Grace, 
You mustn't recall such things. I am enough of a believer in destiny to feel that we had to go through a kind of probation period before we were ready to be friends. It's dear in you to say so, Grace, but I know myself and how contentably I behaved. I've been determined to say this to you ever since I came back to college, but you've never given me the least chance until now. Loyalheart was the highest proof of your regard you could have given me, reminded Grace gently. I don't need any other reminders. I must go, Kathleen. Did I hear you say you were going with me? Yes. Kathleen slipped into her hat and coat, and as they went down Mrs. Elwood's familiar stairs and strolled out into the crisp autumn air, arm in arm, Kathleen felt that she could never be thankful enough to the girl who had taught her the true meaning of college spirit. End of chapter 13